0: Now, it's time to think and discern. This is Bob Bernie Live.
1: And welcome to the 5 o'clock hour of Bob Bernie Live. Thank you for joining me. My telephone number 877 Bob Live 877 Eighty-three. President Biden just concluded a very brief, well, an address to the nation. I don't know that you could call it a press conference. He took uh, questions from a very, very small number of pre-selected journalists, which has become his habit. Uh, He calls on the people that his handlers tell him to call on. And that's true. (laughs) That's not speculation. But anyway, bottom line in this uh, press conference, press briefing, whatever, uh, President Biden says he is convinced that Putin has decided to invade. Done, finished. He he is going to invade. Uh, By the way, I just heard that there was uh, an explosion of a gas line in Ukraine how uh, that has not been confirmed yet. Don't know. But, but anyway, uh, President Biden uh, gave the tough guy speech. We told him there would be a serious price. You'll be sorry. If you attack Ukraine, you will be so sorry. I was tough with him. I told him, you know, the, the Joe Biden tough guy thing. Now. I'm just going to lay out what I think is going to happen. I might be wrong. I probably will be wrong. And if I am, I have no problem whatsoever in going on this program and saying, hey, folks, I was completely wrong. But here's what I think. What would be a win-win situation for Biden and Putin? Now, they're both politicians. They're ultimately politicians. They are. What would be the ultimate win-win? Everything looks like Russia is going to invade. Everything, everything, we're going to invade, we're going going to invade, they're going to invade, they're going to invade, they're going to invade. And then at the last minute, Vladimir Putin says, you know, I've thought about it, and I am a humanitarian. I am such a nice guy. We had every right to invade Ukraine, but I just want the world to know that we are not the warmongers that we have been, as we have been colored and described. And he withdraws. Putin looks good. He doesn't look weak. He looks good. Joe Biden says, I got tough with him. Did you see what happened? I stood up to Vladimir Putin, and I warned him, and I got tough with him. And you see what I'm saying? A withdrawal by Russia would be a win-win for both parties. Now, is that what's going to happen? I don't know, but i that's just what I think. Uh, and, and to be really honest, I hope that is what happens, because I hope... Russia does not invade Ukraine for the people's sake. And as I said before earlier in the program, particularly for the church um, in Ukraine. Now, what complicates it is that there is a considerable portion of the Ukrainian population who are Russian sympathizers. They would love to go back into the old Soviet Union. They would love to come under Mother Russia again. It's incredible. Things were terrible under the Soviet Union. Horrible, awful. But as I've told you many, many times, Ukraine or uh, uh, Moldova, the tiny little country that borders Ukraine, uh, I've been to 20, 21 times. I started going there not long after the fall of the Soviet Union. I heard the horror stories from the people of what it was like under communism. People didn't have food. They didn't have bread. They didn't have jobs. They didn't have heat. They didn't have water. They didn't have electricity. It was terrible. It was horrible when communism was there. And when the Soviet Union fell, they had freedom. They had liberty. They had, you know, it was wonderful. Fast forward now 25, 30 years. And there is a large portion of the population in Moldova who would love to go back under Russian rule. And as I said, the last time I was there, I asked the the Moldovans, how could this be? How could anybody in their right mind want to go back to Russia? And the answer was, they don't remember. They don't remember. A new generation has come up and they have uh, believed the propaganda from Russia oh, it'd be great it'd be wonderful you know blah 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 and i i think i think the same thing has happened in ukraine but anyway that's just my uneducated gut feeling about what's going to happen could be wrong probably will be wrong but um i it would be it would be an enormous win win for both putin he could show the world i am a nice guy russia mother russia is kind and gentle and put and uh, biden could say i'm tough look at what i and are there talks behind the scenes towards that end mm, wouldn't surprise me in the least because i think Again, what do I know? I think Putin wants Biden to succeed. I really do. I think Putin wants Biden to look good. Because a weak president, and Joe Biden is one of the weakest presidents we've had in in modern history. A weak American president is good for Russia. It's good for their uh, oil, gas exports, imports. It's good for their economy. Um, So I think it would benefit Putin to make Biden look good, and obviously it would benefit Biden if Putin looks good. So anyway, you've you've heard enough of, and it's just conjecture. Uh. I have in, in in front of me something really interesting. And it's 27 pages, 27 pages of 50 years of climate predictions. Going all the way back to the 60s, all of the climate predictions, doom and gloom, ca- catastrophe, For the last 50 years. Again, I've got 27 pages in front of me. Headline Wrong Again 50 Years of Failed Eco-Pocalyptic Predictions. This is from the um, Competitive Enterprise Institute. And I'm not going to take time to read very many of them, but this is back in 1967 in the Salt Lake Tribune. Headline All Ready Too Late. Now, remember, This is 1967. Salt Lake Tribune, headline, already too late, dire famine forecast by 1975. Dateline, Los Angeles, it is already too late for the world to avoid a long period of famine, a Stanford University biologist said on Thursday. So in 1967, the experts were saying it's going to be a dire famine by 1975 and there's nothing we can do to stop it. Did it happen? No. 1969, headline, Everyone will disappear in a cloud of blue steam by 1989. Yeah, that was from the New York Times. Sunday, August 10th, 1969. New York Times... Foe of pollution seeks lack of time. Asserts environmental ills outrun public concern. Dateline, Palo Alto, California, the trouble with almost blah, 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 blah. And basically in 19, uh, what was that again? 1969, it's too late. It's too late. It's too. It's all over. Uh, the Boston Globe, April 16th of 1970. Scientists predict a new ice age. By the end of the 21st century. And by the way, in the 1970s, all of the experts, and I mean all of them agreed, it was not global warming. It was going to be a new ice age. Uh, Another prediction in 1970, America will be subject to water rationing by 1974 and food rationing by 1980. The uh, false predictions begin in the 1960s. 27 pages of the experts' predictions about climate change, global warming, and not one of them have come to pass. Yeah, I just I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. All right. Hey, we need to take a break. A fascinating story about the American Bar Association. Yeah, if you're going to be an attorney in the United States, you, uh, you have to go through the American Bar Association. Wait till you hear what their new requirements are if you want to be a lawyer in America. Yeah, we'll be back.
0: today's news, god's word and your thoughts. This is Bob Bernie live.
1: Well, wokeism is uh, rearing its ugly head just about everywhere in American culture, including the legal community, and not everybody is happy. Yep. Yeah. On Monday of this week, hey, by the way, welcome back to Bob Bernie Live, telephone number 877-BOB-LIVE. Uh, on Monday of this week, the American Bar Association, no, that has nothing to do with booze and alcohol. It's the legal. Perfect. The American Bar Association voted on Monday overwhelmingly. In fact, a vote of 348 to 17. All right, what did they vote? They voted overwhelmingly to require that all law schools in America accredited by the American Bar Association, and that's all of them. I, I I mean, if you could find a law school that's not accredited by the American Bar Association, please tell me. Anyway, all right. In a vote of 348 to 17, the American Bar Association voted on Monday to require all Law schools educate students on their duty to, quote, work to eliminate racism. Okay. Shouldn't we all want to work to eliminate racism? Yes. Do I want to eliminate racism? Yes. Should you want to eliminate racism? Of course you should. But here's the problem. How do you do that? And who determines? Quote, the association, which credits almost every law school in the United States, voted 348 to 17 to adopt the new standard. Law schools will now have to, quote, provide education to law students on bias cross-cultural competency, and racism, both at the start of law school and at least once again before graduation. Okay, that, that sounds fine. But who determines? Whose curriculum, whose ideology, whose philosophy do you use to combat racism? Uh, would that be CRT, critical race theory? After all, critical race theory began in the universities. It was an intellectual discussion about how to deal with racism and so forth, and then it has bled down into the schools. Well, you would think that all of the liberal universities would love this. Not so. Not so. Evidently, the deans and professors in law schools are not real keen on being told what they have to teach. Let me quote a little bit from the story in front of me. The standard has stirred controversy among law professors, many of whom assailed it as an assault on academic freedom when it was first proposed last year. Brian Leiter, a legal theorist at the University of Chicago Law School, said the proposed requirements would almost certainly violate the academic freedom rights of faculty at many, if not most, schools. Then get this. In an open letter to the American Bar Association, 10 Yale Law School professors called the change a disturbing attempt To institutionalize dogma through the accreditation process, and they called it an overreach by the ABA. Quote, though many law professors oppose the new requirement, the vast majority of law school administrators have welcomed it. Now, I find that very interesting. The difference between the teachers and the administrators. In August of 2020, the deans of 176 law schools, including Chicago and Yale, petitioned the American Bar Association to require that every law school provide training and education around bias, cultural competence, and anti-racism. So we now have a deep conflict between the administrators in these law schools who are all for this and the professors in the classroom who are basically saying, hey, what about academic freedom? So uh, this is going to be a battle that's going to be fought out in the legal community, and uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch if enough professors, teachers in these law schools actually have enough opposition to organize against it. Um, This, again, is wokeism. And let me repeat, we should all desire to end and eliminate racism. But what we're seeing today in the anti-racist agenda does not erase racism, It increases it. It does not help. It hurts. And America's future future attorneys are going to be deeply impacted by that and thus the legal profession in America. Something to think about.